WDBM East Lansing. The impact. You're listening to Impact Exposure. Exposure gives a voice to our community and provides a forum for discussing the relevant issues of today. Broadcasting from the campus of Michigan State University, this is Impact Exposure. I'm Emmanuel Berry, and you're listening to Impact Exposure. Today, we talk shopping local and local food, as well as job prospects for college students. But first, a look at Michigan's medical amnesty law. According to the National Institute of Health, an average of 35 college students die per week due to alcohol-related causes. This past June, a change was made made to the Michigan Liquor Control Code in hopes to change this statistic. Impact's Abby Newton reports. Imagine, you're in college, it's Saturday night, and you are out with friends at a crazy party. You're enjoying a few beers and talking about the next big game. But, one of your friends has one too many and needs medical help. However, you're both underage. What do you do? The new medical amnesty law may make this decision easier. Sophomore pre-med student Sierra LaHayes says she has seen the impact the fear of getting an MIP can have on one's actions. So I've had a friend who, um, his younger brother was not doing so well, and he's just like, no, we can't, he's going to get in trouble, because it just wasn't in place yet, and luckily nothing happened, but it could have ended badly just because of that. Although the student in the Hay situation was just fine, others have not been so lucky. This fear of getting an MIP has led to the creation of medical amnesty. Basically, medical amnesty means that if you're drinking underage and need medical treatment, you can present yourself to medical services without receiving an MIP. Also, if your friend needs medical treatment, you can seek medical help on their behalf without receiving an MIP. When it comes right down to it, you know, I'm not going to be at these parties. They don't want me there. <laughs> so it, we really are, it really is up to other students to act on each other's behalf. That was Rebecca Allen, Olin Health Center's alcohol, tobacco, and other drugs health educator. She said the law's intent is to encourage students to protect each other in the event of a medical emergency. She also said the majority of surveyed students said they would indeed call for help. For those who said they wouldn't, when we asked why, um, most, quite surprisingly, said it was because they didn't realize that being passed out was a, an emergency. Now, the second reason they said they wouldn't call is because of legal concerns. So the law actually removes that as a concern for them. District Representative Anthony Forlini was the author of the Medical Amnesty Amendment. He worked for over a year to get judges, police officers, the university, and legislators on board with the idea. And so parents will be notified when their child has an issue. That was one of the reasons we were able to get the law through, because all sides wanted to make sure we weren't just giving kids a free pass, but we wanted to be able to help these kids get help. Forlini also said that students cannot claim an injury or health issue just to get out of receiving an MIP. One of the things, it's got to be a substantial emergency. You know, they can't stub their toe when the police come and get off an MIP. They have to make contact with authorities. They have to have a a situation that requires medical attention that's involving, you know, the, the use of alcohol. East Lansing Police Department Captain Jeff Murphy does not think the new amendment will affect the department too much. Captain Murphy said that the police department had previously operated in trying to provide medical assistance before legal violations. However, he says the legislation now cements this belief. It's just an extra protection, and if it you know makes a difference and has some helps somebody feel more comfortable out calling, then you know by all means it's a good it's a good law. It just puts the police officers on notice that. It reminds them that they're there for a medical problem, not there for a criminal problem. Freshman finance major Brett DiPoliti said he likes the law because it encourages positive action to help those in need. Uh, I personally like the medical amnesty law. I think it's a smart idea. It gives students the opportunity to help a friend in need without having to worry about their personal safety. So they take the obviously safe precaution and the positive action to get that person the help that they're looking for. And it's definitely going to help save a lot of lives in dire situations. Reporting for Impact, I'm Abby Newton. To Impact Exposure. First floor. Hey, what floor are you going to? <clears throat> oh, uh, three, thanks. 
Hey, didn't we uh, have... Yeah, that one class. Yeah, that's so funny to, <laughs> to see you, because I <coughs> thought maybe we could... Uh, would you ever want to... Um, I was wondering if you, if I could stick my finger in your eye. What? No. Oh, I just flushed some toilets and touched a doorknob. What? I've been keeping this moist Kleenex Ew, in my pocket. That's uh, so gross. I thought we could, you know, just stick my finger Ugh. in your eye. Is that weird? No, don't touch me. What's wrong with you? Oh. Sorry. Well, ever since you got in the elevator, you've been coughing all over your hands and pressing those buttons, so I just thought you were into that kind of thing. Free. Studies show that three-quarters of women and only half of men actually wash their hands in the bathroom. That's nasty. Stop the flu and other germs by regularly washing with soap and avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. More at cdc.gov slash clean hands. Impact 89FM. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Prime where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. From 10 p.m. until midnight Sunday nights, listen to the Impact Afterglow, where you can hear a variety of relaxed tracks to help you ease into the start of a new week. Only on Impact Primetime. Now back to Impact Exposure. College grads are heading into a slow-growing job market, according to a Michigan State University annual recruiting trends report. I asked Phil Gardner, the report author, about what grads can expect. Things are continuing to get just a little bit better. Uh, it's not a big surge. It, uh, we've had a couple good years in a row compared to the general labor market, and you know it's growing. I uh, wasn't quite sure what we were going to see this year because of all the, you know, the politics and the big macro events have kind of settled down onto the uh, more local kind of events. So uh, we w- we were not quite sure what we were going to see, but we saw a growth, uh, 5%, certainly not anywhere near where we need to get back to 2007. But we've, you know, we're into our fourth, third, fourth year of some reasonable growth so things are coming back well that's that's positive a little a little good news is still good news um so for the report you um surveyed over 2000 u.s employers um what are some of the factors that are playing into these employers hiring trends well on the good side on the positive (laughs) side is the fact that many of these employers said that we're they're being uh put in a position to hire because of the growth. Their business are growing, uh, which, you know, from the national news, you would think many companies weren't growing, but these companies were growing. Uh, I'm still waiting to see how retirements are going to play out, uh, particularly for students, these students and their recent graduates. We hadn't expected a lot of retirements by this time. We haven't seen those as much. Um, so, but this was growth, and growth is always good because that means it's new jobs. It's it's jobs that hadn't existed before. Uh, on the on the negative side, or the on, that led to a lot of uncertainty was probably the political election. And I mean, this is the fifth political election that I've been in charge of trends, and none of them previous elections had major impact like this one did uh, on on certain segments of. Uh, the uh, the economy, you know, they were they really did um, anticipate winners, and they tried to su- take sides, and some won and some lost. But in the process, uh, with it being so politically oriented, and with the fiscal cliff uh, or this fiscal situation right behind the election, mm-hmm. a lot of companies just want to say, let's see how the election comes out because that will determine what regulations are going to be put in place or what the next four years would look like in forms of policy. And Obamacare would still be in place or out. And let's see how Congress is going to handle this fiscal cliff because many, many uh, companies are, are you know, tied to the decisions that are going to be made there, whether it's AmeriCorps on one side that will have their budgets stripped out and defense contractors on the other. So there's a wide gamut of employers that want to see how this is going to play out before they make decisions on a fixed cost that they're going to have to invest in. So everyone's kind of hedging. They're hedging yeah, their bets they're kind point. of hedging in a way. Uh, the hedging's kind of over because we know the outcome. Now we're hedging on whether we can have a compromise uh, that will 
that will legitimately give us time to do some of the dis- changes that really have to take time and won't easily be resolved in a matter of weeks and months. Uh, so they'll have to come up with a compromise. They'll give them some time to really seriously look at the financial uh, structure uh, and the um, entitlement structures in the that we we have right in place right now and make make the hopefully right choices about how those should be fixed. So beyond looking at um, simply some of the factors that are contributing to uh, larger factors like right. political factors, what are some of the things that um, people who are, are graduating are influence um, whether they're getting hired or not? What what are individuals? Well, the most doing? immediate things, of course, are how well companies are doing uh, in the labor market. Uh, I mean, in the general economy, we see some slowdowns uh, that. We should have expected uh, because they were just there. Electronics is adjusting to a mobile phone kind of environment from a laptop environment, so that affects chip makers and computer uh, people that build computers. And so those companies, the electronics sector is slowed down. The global economy is slow, and particularly with Europe and China. So machinery, finished products, and things are slowed. On the other hand, uh, areas such as food and food processing is strong, chemicals, so, so there's, they balance each other out. What's really strong uh, is financial services, retail is back, uh, not just for seasonal hiring, but these are longer term m- uh, management kind of position training, though everybody's going to start at the bottom. And a lot of it, ha- and a lot of these jobs, regardless of what sector, have to do with sales. Um, because the most dominant com- combination of majors is marketing, PR, advertising, communication, but they're for sales jobs and uh, branding, market branding kind of jobs, both uh, physical, what I mean by physical stores in stores or in traditional media, but most of it's on, on online uh, marketing and sales. Do you think that um, recent college graduates kind of go into looking for their first job a little bit unrealistic about what it's going to well, be? Well, you know, every generation, my generation, way, 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 way back, longer than you want to know, and others <laughs> always hold uh, our expectations. They're young, they're enthusiastic, um, they, um, and, and you know, elders are always worried about that. It's never panned out that a generation is totally. Uh, altered the workplace. But uh, this generation has has this albatross around its neck that it feels very entitled. It sends messages, and it tends sometimes, depending on where you're at, in the, to be played out that way. Well, what's frustrating here is this, this graduating class this year has started as freshmen when this whole thing started. So they should... N- understand better what they're getting into, that they're going to have to start uh, at, at a basic level, get the experience they need to move up in an organization. They have to keep salaries, uh, expectations in line. Some students have really out of line salary, what they think salaries is. And it, salaries haven't moved for most of this decade. Mm-hmm. And right now, employers are putting money into health care uh, programs that are required and not putting them in salaries. But students have to adjust. So it gets frustrating. You would think that they would come with a little better, healthier understanding of what's going to happen in the workplace, and then they don't. So that's causing some problems with employers that they're getting a little frustrated out there. How can can students overcome kind of these concerns that employers have? I mean, well, what, what there's, do they a, need? there's a myth out there that uh, you know, if I get a college degree, then I get a job, mm-hmm. and that's not what it's. I mean, it's not work doesn't work that way. They have to have an understanding of the environment they're going into, a better feel for what the workplace expectations are of them, how to adjust their expectations to know when they come in play. Because everything doesn't happen the first day on the job, first year on the job. It may take two years to just get grounded in the workplace to understand what you're doing and how you contribute in a way that allows you then to leverage what's around you to get where you want to go. You're not going to get where you want to go from day one. And 
we're a society that's in a hurry now, and if you don't succeed in the first three weeks, then something must be bad with you, so you better move on to something else. And that's, uh, we've got to change that. It's really hard because it's not just something that happens here on campus, though we can influence that. It's a cultural thing. It, it, it's embedded in in everything we do is this more competitive competitive, faster, I want it now kind of environment. And it's the same way with all their boomers that are involved in banks. It's about me. And I think that was played out pretty much in this election, too. And so it's going to take some soul searching to do it. And it's, for some, it's easy. Not I don't find entitlements all that much of a problem at Michigan State. We tend to have a pretty blue, still a blue-collar work ethic, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are young people that I run into that, you know, haven't thought through what they're what they're doing, and and they just need to be more aware from day one that they are going to transition out of college, and they are going to be able expected to act different, be more professional, and they need to start practicing that earlier. Okay. Um, so, uh, in addition, this report also found um, that associate degrees, or careers associated with associate degrees, are still um, in in demand in a sense. Well, um, we've, we're seeing a transformation of associate degrees from something that somebody did, you know, ten years ago because they couldn't get into a four-year college or they didn't make it in a four-year college to something that's really essential. Uh, most of the manufacturing that's been coming back, uh, meaning your basic industries, uh, sectors of the economy, not just manufacturing, now require technical and t- uh, a- expertise, technicians, whether it's health, engineering, computer, uh, even retail for and or some combination of business acumen and a lot of that's picked up at community college and that job sector is now growing it's going to be the new you know strong middle class and we're seeing huge investments in a in this economy in those kind of positions uh, you know and, and and that's where some of the growth is and this survey just picks up on a number of reports that have come out the last six months that have shown that actually we're creating more jobs at the two-year college level than at the four-year college level. Not by much, but enough to make get everybody's attention. And this mm-hmm. just continues that. And when you look at the sectors and they want, and you know, the technicians they want, it's kind of impressive. Now, there's small numbers. Some of these companies don't hire many, so you get a big bounce off of small numbers. But still, when you aggregate it together, it's it's pretty uh, noticeable number of associate degrees. Um, and so in talking about how, you know, college students they need to to grow up a little sooner to help them, you know, prepare for that job market. Do you think part of that comes with getting more professional experience sooner? So internships, that sort of thing. Part of it certainly does. The more opportunities that a a student can take to interface with uh, the workplace, the real world, and see how professionals act, uh, be in there and uh, actually work with professionals, whether certainly can start here on campus working in professional uh, student organizations and seeing and talking with professionals and it moves into internships uh, but growing up doesn't just mean you get an internship it doesn't mean you've grown up i mean it's taking responsibility for your actions and not asking for a comp out if a paper's late you take the consequences uh you get your work done on time because in the real world when you're late when things don't get done on time uh when you have other uh, things you want to do and then you put off uh doing work they have real consequences Mm -hmm. sometimes we buffer the consequences at the university we extend deadlines and things and at the same time parents kind of buffer some of the time students being accountable and parents will intervene on their behalf and that's not going to happen out in the workplace and and so students have to be you know take the initiative be accountable and responsible for their behaviors and and their work uh and those kind of things and and that really does help in, in the job search all right. Well, thank you so much for the time today. I really appreciate it. I and, always uh, appreciate coming over and talking to you folks. <laughs> Emmanuel Berry, and you are listening to Impact Exposure. Uh, and now in studio, we welcome members from the Lansing Artworks, a uh, capital city-based art collective looking to foster community through the area. Uh, so we have Luke uh, Hackney and Holly Johnson here to speak with us. Hi. 
Hello. Uh, so first of all, can you explain what what is Lansing Artworks? What it, how did it come to be? Um, how it came to be was via a student here named um, Augusta Morrison, who kind of had ambition to just start up an arts collective. Um, actually, I recently just discovered the very early genesis over this weekend when we were talking about it. I guess initially she had kind of this idea that maybe a few people would live together and it would sort of be like an arts cooperative, like a literal co-op house that sort of fostered the arts and that they were driving around looking for places. And then that sort of manifested in it just looking for a space in general. And I met her in March. Um, I co-host an event at Scene uh, Metro Space that's actually now a Lansing Artworks event called Sunday Soup, which is a competitive micro-grant for the arts. And I met her and pretty much everybody from Lansing Artworks through that. And she wanted a lot of advice, and it eventually became this thing where she wanted my undivided attention. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we formed this board. Um, one of the first things I kind of had to tell her was that if you want a space, you have to do like XX and X. And so right now we're trying to accomplish that, those goals. But right now I would consider us just an um, an art collective that is sort of just looking for members and kind of shaping what we are right at this second. Yeah. The, we're sort of, we sort of hop around all over the city, and whether it's at scene or like garages, places like that, basically mm-hmm. pop-up events wherever we can. Yeah. yeah ta- talk a little bit about some of these events. What are you, it's not just like a, an, an art show. You got the, I mean, sort of. Way, I mean, yeah, in some ways, but I think there there seems to be a little bit more to it. Um, yeah, talk about some of the events you guys have had so far since you've. Okay. Well, I mean, the, I guess the easiest one just is the Sunday Soup, mm-hmm. um, which we've just continued to do at Scene Metro Space. And uh, like I said, that's just a competitive art microgram where people come in and pitch ideas. Um, and everyone there votes on the one they like the most. And whoever gets the most votes gets 100% of the door that was raised that day. Um, that That's kind of like I said, been rolled into it. But other than that, like, we've done some, yeah, I mean, I'll let Holly field this. <laughs> we've, we've done a bunch of events so far, uh, like a screen printing workshop in the residential college studio. Mm-hmm. Um, we've also done some in-home art shows, which is, we had one actually this past weekend in my garage. They've been in my garage, which is, <laughs> which is great. Um, they, like, just contacting artists and asking people who want to show art in these sort of themed shows. Um, one has been, it was right before the election, so it was a lot of cut-and-paste work mm-hmm. about sort of social issues or proposals that you relate to the most and want to create art about. And then this past one was kind of like a descent into winter theme, sort of what the body endures, what the mind endures as you're approaching the cold months and stuff like that. So that was really interesting, and that was a lot of fun. Um, so I guess like the point of all of these is that uh, knowing that there wasn't really a place like this in the area, like we, this area was lacking sort of like a place where we could do anything we wanted to do and though we don't have that yet we're holding everything that we want to do in different locations with the end goal being we'll have our own location yeah. of our art collective yeah <laughs> yeah base. i think we're hoping for just a space where we can host um it would become a little bit more of an art slash music venue i think mm-hmm. at that point where mm-hmm. we'd be having bands and having covers and like people coming in and then also hosting like art shows and then maybe even renting it out for yes, other studio space yeah so why choose art kind of as this way to engage and Oh, and I think it's just theater. something that everybody that's involved with it like is interested in. Mm-hmm. And art to me is defined as any sort of um expression of the imagination. So it's just people that are interested in music or um literal photography, for, yeah, paint, exactly. words, so. like anything. Have you guys found it um, at all difficult um, in the Lansing community? Because you're talking about how there there isn't quite this space that mm-hmm. you wanted there to difficult be, which is why to you're what? creating. Difficult to, I guess, expand kind of the project or, or recruit people. A little people. bit. Yeah, recruiting people has definitely been a little bit more difficult than mm-hmm. I think I in- initially anticipated. Um, but we do have a core group of very dedicated people that have been helping out. 
but yeah, it's it's always, it's really hard to get people motivated about like cultural things in this <laughs> town, which is really strange to say because you know we have like the brood that just came in, and yeah. people are very interested in that. They've been rolling through thousands of people each weekend, but it's just sort of a different thing where it's more palatable, it's more commercial in a way. It's mm-hmm. They have a uh, you know several hundred thousand dollar marketing budget <laughs> like, things of that nature. We don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it has been a little difficult because we've been trying to raise some funds here or there, and you know we're relating to a lot of people, but we're not relating to a lot of people that like have a lot of money to spend mm-hmm. necessarily. Um, have you seen, I guess, any impact through your events with the community? Have and, and I guess, have you seen any any growth in you know the number of people attending your events and and notice and that sort of thing? Yeah, in a way, because I think I initially felt like I didn't really know anybody like me, and when I met Augusta and then by proxy Holly and the rest of the board. Um, I felt like We're a more personal, yeah, more, more, more personal growth, I guess. So then, when I started noticing that, maybe I just started noticing things I didn't see before. Yeah. But yeah, I definitely do feel like that more people are coming, and I definitely feel like. You know, maybe we're not having a huge impact, but we're all motivating each other. In yeah, ways and that. and sort of meeting friends of friends, like people mm-hmm. will bring their friends to like a show in my garage. I've never met them, and they're seeing this, and they're like, "Oh, I want to, I want to have an art show at my house." So I guess it's fostering people in that way, and also um, this general giving people something to do, like. I, more people say, I'm so bored, this town is so boring, like, get mm-hmm. me out of here. When, when will I be done with school or wh- why ever, like, why you're here? Um, and so it just just sort of aiding that. Like, I, I felt the same way. So it's just allowing people to create and then showing that to everyone in the community. So... Has being in this collective, um, for you guys personally as artists, has it inspired you to create more? Or is it a That's almost exactly what I'm suggesting, yeah. you know, yeah. is that I want to do so many things that I've always talked about doing or thought mm-hmm. about doing but never really acted upon. I feel like um, the last few years, I think I used to be kind of more active in things like that, and I, I kind of grew out of that. I'm a little bit older than everybody else in, in the collective. Um, I haven't, I've been in school for quite some time and just kind of got into the, you know, the real world and didn't really do things that I wanted to do. And that was, um, I think that's changed kind of rapidly for me. I think, uh, another example of that is, um, a friend of mine, Dustin, who actually works where I do. And like, yeah, all of a sudden, like he's never really done anything, even though he does a lot of graphic design stuff. And now he's like super amped about, mm-hmm. you know, he printed some stuff for the the winter show last weekend. Like, so yeah, I guess I am seeing it on some small scale and yeah, definitely within just myself. Just sort of giving people a reason to create. Yeah. And though some people don't need that, others are like see it as an outlet. Mm-hmm. Like not all, not everyone. Mm-hmm. Some people consider themselves artists, like no matter what. Others, it takes, like, I guess maybe it takes telling them that you are, yeah, that is art. You're making art right now. <laughs> yeah. Like, look at you. And that sort of is just, I don't know, a way we like to, I like to provide inspiration. And it, it helps me when I make things also. Have you guys been looking at other any other, like, examples of art collectives kind of to get an idea of how you guys yeah. want to be shaped and formed in the future? Um, the DAC, the Division Avenue Art co-op or cooperative cooperative um in grand rapids um luke was actually a part of their founding crew also yeah a little bit yeah i was definitely um involved in one of the earliest like volunteers they had and i knew all the like the the very founding people really well and was around there for a little over a year i believe Mm -hmm. and that um that that definitely had a huge impact on me at that time and that was definitely what i when i say i was missing something like that was what i was missing like the just the shows that we could get there were just incredible to me like like bands that i never would have thought would have played west michigan were playing there you know like my the microphones and broken social scene and stuff like that and just kind of the the really crazy creativity that was going on there and the fact that it still exists today 
Um, it actually just turned nine, and that nobody there knows who I am. Like, like that's kind of <laughs> awesome to me. You yeah. know that that it can be sustainable, that it can go on, that p- new people can come in and join the board and do things and pay dues and like have their own ideas, and that that it's still like kind of relatively the same thing. Like they still have the same sort of shows from when I lived out in that area. And, um. Yeah. Where can people find more information about you guys? Um, the easiest way is uh, probably Facebook or Twitter. Um, Tumblr, just, too. Tumblr, yeah, just Lansing Artworks at all three of those locales. <laughs> well, like. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> well, thank you guys both so much for coming in today. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Cool. Thank you. That was Luke Hackney and Holly Johnson of the art collective Lansing Artworks. You can find out more information about the collective at www.lansingartworks.com. You're listening to Impact Exposure. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime. where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Tuesday nights from 8 until midnight, the Impact's Progressive Torch and Twang brings you the best in alternative country and grassroots music. Only on Impact Primetime. You wouldn't send a text while using a chainsaw. Check out these pics of this huge tree falling. You probably wouldn't text while scuba diving. And you definitely wouldn't send a text while making out. You are so smoking hot. I love your elbows. Wait, hold on a second. Huh? I need to send this. OMG, I'm like totally kissing him right now. Dude, what the f***? So why would you send a text while driving? Well, that's different. That's what about 6,000 people who died last year said. Oh. And now, it's illegal in Michigan to read, type, or send any text from your phone while driving. It's a $100 fine for the first offense and 200 bucks after that. Ouch. Check out Michigan House Bill 4394. Be a part of the solution and save a life. And seriously, put the phone away while you're making out. You need help. 88.9 The Impact. Now back to Impact Exposure. Emmanuel Berry, and you are listening to Impact Exposure. For some, Thanksgiving means one thing shopping. With a look at Black Friday Impact Impact reporter Michaela Colonna. With the last piece of the pumpkin pie eaten and the dishes cleared from the table, many Americans find themselves drifting happily off to sleep after a delicious Thanksgiving dinner. Many others, on the other hand, are just beginning the one night of the year most famous for the saying, shop till you drop, Black Friday. Abraham Ayash, a freshman in James Madison, says he has hit up the stores for the past four years. He had no doubt about what drives him to shop. I guess the idea of the American capitalism, how we like scavenge for deals and stuff like that, it's just the atmosphere, it's, it's really cool. And some of the deals are also great, so that's an added bonus. It's not all about deals. It's also about ads. Bonnie Buckaroo, a journalism instructor here at MSU, says advertising is a huge part of Black Friday. Advertising plays a role in getting consumers to stores in terms of awareness. It may not do much to persuade people to buy products they don't like, but it will tell them, here's when the store is open, here's what that super sale price is for Black Friday. So it's very important for giving people information they need to make purchases. A huge part of advertising deals with human psychology. Advertisers develop ways of pulling people into their stores through product association, operant conditioning, and other foot-in-the-door techniques. Senior psychology major and Zumba instructor Sophie Rutowski says product association using celebrities are the secret weapon used by advertisers to pull customers into stores. I think that they think the people who are advertising for it are really knowledgeable about the product, and a lot of time the advertisers make them seem really glamorous. According to Bonnie Buckaroo, we see more than 3,000 advertisements in a single day. But she also says that the advertising and marketing industries need to rethink their strategies in order to avoid the stampedes that are greatly associated with Black Friday. I guess it says really uh, interesting things about our culture. People will literally trample one another to get to a product for 50 bucks off. Does that mean that it's because people are desperate or have desperate people been manipulated into a stampede? And for those caught in the midst of a stampede, the experience is unforgettable. This is MSU student Abraham again. Last year, me and a couple of my friends 
friends went together and we were in line and the doors opened for Target. So it's the first time where I was in between lots of people and they ran to the door like animals. It's no doubt that every store brags about having the biggest sales and the best store busters. And amongst the chaos, Abraham was actually one of the lucky few who picked up a great deal last year. One of my friends was smaller, so we put him in a shopping cart and we started running down and, you know, I was pushing him and we charged and we bumped a couple people out of the way and we got three of the TVs that were considered the doorbusters, so we were really proud of that and after that we just didn't know what to do because we got the best deal in the entire store. We we picked up three TVs and we didn't need them, but we thought because everyone was fighting for them, we just went for them. Workers are also exposed to the craziness of the day. Freshman French major Christine Plummer works in retail and has dealt with the crazy Black Friday crowds before. Apparently somebody to get to the front of the line like had maze and like mazed people to get to the front of the line. He got arrested, but <laughs> yeah. She knows that working on this day takes dedication and efficiency has to be at its highest, especially at the checkout counter. Christine says her store has a preparation plan. The ringers are actually trained to try to do transactions in under 30 seconds, so just go fast. <laughs> it's, it's their goal. And because of the stressful atmosphere that the day brings along to Black Friday workers, she says mental preparation for the day includes one key aspect. You definitely have to get your sleep. You can't just walk in and expect to work and be okay. You have to get your rest and know what you're walking into. The most wonderful time of the year. Reporting for Impact News, I'm Michaela Colonna. the most wonderful time of the year. With the kids jingle belling and everyone telling you be of good cheer. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It's the half happiest season of all. With those holiday greetings and gay happy meetings when friends come to call. It's the half happiest season. Emmanuel Berry, and you're listening to Impact Exposure. It's not all about Black Friday or Cyber Monday this holiday season. On Saturday, local businesses across the country are asking people to spend their money where they live. Here to talk about shopping local is Lansing, um, is Ken Whitinger. Uh, he runs an online directory Lansing uh, for Lansing businesses called Shop Local Lansing. Welcome to Exposure. Thank you. Uh, so tell me a little bit about Shop Local Lansing. Uh, how did it start, and and what do you what's the purpose with this site? Well, it started as a, uh, not a total need, but a way to help support local businesses um, because they they give so much of their time and effort to the local communities, and it's getting harder and harder for a lot of consumers to realize who is actually locally owned and who who isn't. And so. We started the Shop Local Lansing for a place for local businesses to be at, and consumers can go there and find out who is actually local. So what are the benefits <laughs> of buying local? Why, why buy local? Well, the number one benefit is the majority of the money stays here in the Lansing community um, compared to like a national store where anywhere from 18 to 22 percent will leave the area with a local store anywhere from 75 to 82 percent will actually stay here and with that money that is spent at a local business it, it also rolls over because that local business owner also a lot of their suppliers are also a local business so that money just stays in this community um, can you talk a little bit about the, the, the idea of uh, intersecting local businesses with local organizations and how shopping local kind of also fosters that as well, um, or through your site, how that's fostered? Well, a lot of uh, local business owners donate their time, products um, on their boards uh, for a lot of no nonprofits, uh, school organizations, and it's a place where not a lot of national chains will be. Yeah. <laughs> so the local business owner actually donates a lot of their time to help the community grow, whether it's for the school, um, Haven House, or any Ellie's Place. Uh, they help those nonprofits and local organizations grow to where they're at now with their volunteering and their financial support and their donations. 
So as we all know, the big shopping day, Black Friday, is coming up. Uh, why do you think that's such a big deal? And do you think that people overlook local shops um, be- because they have this huge kind of event um, for, for their holiday shopping? Uh, I think some people do. Um, but here in the Lansing area, uh, I'm noticing more and more over the years, the past three years, that there's starting to be a group that really wants to support local businesses. Now, Black Friday is hard to compete with because <laughs> it gets all the national exposure and mm-hmm. they have all these big ads. And um, But when it really comes down to it, and thank God for American Express for starting Small Business Saturday, even though they're a national company, um, it, it's a way to give back to the community and it's a way to support where you live. Uh, because these business owners, when you shop their shops, they're not, it helps pay for like their child to go to band camp or shoes and it allows them to donate their time to a nonprofit to help support them. They're not worried about going out and buying another property on an island or, you know, a CEO bonus. <laughs> uh, so it's it's nice to keep things local. And, and with Shop Small Saturday this weekend, there are a lot of local businesses that do have some nice specials and deals going on uh, that people can find either through Facebook or if some local papers will have it publicized also. But um, Or ask a, a friend that does shop local. <laughs> uh, do, is there a, a, a surprising number, I guess, number-wise? How many stores in kind of the Lansing area are local? Are there more than what people think or... There, from the information that I was able to get, um, there's like over 1,500, 2,000 actually locally owned businesses in the greater Lansing area, anywhere from, uh, you know, auto repair, restaurants. Uh, There are some clothing stores here in the Lansing area, jewelry stores here in the Lansing area, and there are some jewelry stores that make their own jewelry. So... Um, people can be amazed about what local businesses are here in the greater Lansing area. And do you think this is a trend that you're going to continue to see? Like you said, you for the past three years, you know, you've seen more and more people shop local. I guess why why do you think that is? Why do you think people are are changing their tune or deciding to invest here? I think people are realizing that um, it's time to take care of home. Uh, with all the turmoil across the country and, and the bailouts that happened a few years ago, uh, I think people are starting to realize, you know, it's probably about time we start taking care of ourselves and taking care of our own community and the people that are here. Um, and if they have to spend an extra dollar at that local business, um, they'll do it. Uh, a, lot of t- a lot of times it's less stress than going to a national store. Um, and... Most of the time, I'd have to say, going to a local business, you get way better customer service. Yeah, a little bit more personal, I'm a little sure. More than personal. And I hear they're, they're tra- the last story, they're, they're training 30-second transactions. 30-second for- <laughs> transactions. And with a local business, if there's a problem, they'll take care of it because it's, it's their neighbor. Mm-hmm. So if people want more information, I want to check out your site because you have, you know, the local businesses are all listed there. Uh, where where can they go for that? They can go to shoplocallansing.com and they can also find us on Facebook. Uh, we do recommend other businesses that have a Facebook page uh, on Facebook to go follow here in the greater Lansing area. All right. Well, thank you so much for uh, sharing information about how uh, we can spend our Saturdays, potentially. (laughs) Well, it'll be awesome. You should go out and have fun and support local businesses and local restaurants. And thanks for having me. Yep, no problem. You're listening to Impact Exposure. Smoking helpline. Yes, I need to start smoking right away. Excuse me? I need to start smoking. Well, actually, it's the Stop Smoking Helpline. The people in the apartment next to mine smoke three packs a day, and it drives me crazy. So I'm thinking four packs will do it. I think you want mysmokefreeapartment.org. It gives you the information you need to work toward a smoke-free apartment building. A smoke-free building? Without all that smoking? Uh, yeah, that's right. Make your apartment smoke-free without making a stink. mysmokefreeapartment.org. 
For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime. where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Wednesday nights from 8 until midnight, it's the Impact's Accidental Blues, your source for great blues music, news, and concert information. Only on Impact Primetime. Hola, my name is Esperanza. After a tragic incident, I was forced from a life of riches in Mexico to a life of poverty in the United States. My mother has become ill and we have become separated from our family. Now I must work for both of us to try to bring the rest of our family together. My name is Esperanza and I am trying to survive. Explore new worlds. Read my story in the novel Esperanza Rising by Pam Muñoz Ryan. For other great book ideas, visit your local library or log on to literacy.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Now back to Impact Exposure. And from local shopping to local eats. Six of the top 10 trends of 2012 listed by the National Restaurant Association focus on locally sourcing food and sustainability. Many restaurants are adopting a farm-to-table philosophy, making a conscious effort to use fresh and locally grown food. Michigan restaurants are following suit, using tasty dishes to remind residents of the state's agricultural assets. For this story, I went to the farm-to-table restaurant, Red Haven. So we started farming uh, on our neighbor's property uh, last year. Uh, we, have, we only have two acres here. Farmer so. Adam Montry clears his windshield of frost for the short drive to his hoop house next door. We get out of the car and head to one of five hoop houses located on Ten Hens Farm. Montra and his wife own and operate the small farm in Bath, Michigan, where they use hoop houses to grow diversified vegetables year-round. We walk into one of the houses, under the plastic covering four neat rows of winter greens. Um, past this half bed of arugula or hakari turnips. This is Mizuna. Although today he's sharing arugula for the Bath Farmer's Market, most of Montrai's produce goes to mid-Michigan restaurants seeking locally grown food. Probably 80 to 90 percent of our volume moves through restaurants. Montrai says he's seen an increase in restaurants following the farm-to-table philosophy since he and his wife started their farm four years ago. And now there's restaurants that are really using that as a, you know, whether you say it's a marketing tool or something they believe in or you know, demand that's there from customers. I think all of those things are true. One restaurant that buys from Montreux and believes in local first is Red Haven. Red Haven, which opened in Okemos this October, is co-owned by Nina Santucci and Tony Malle. After working in restaurants across the country, the pair decided to open their own business. They started with the mid-Michigan-based food truck, the Purple Carrot, taking advantage of Michigan's crop variety and serving locally grown food. Red Haven co-owner Nina Santucci. We knew that we wanted to be sourcing local, and so um, second to California, Michigan's the most diverse. So if, if you're picking a painter's palette, this is a pretty good one to start with. A palette they have continued to paint with in their new restaurant. We're doing our best to showcase Michigan products from start to finish. So the decor, almost everything is made from uh, reclaimed barn wood. The food is all locally sourced, so all of the produce and the meat and the cheeses, pretty much anything that we can get our hands on in Michigan, we'll use. Santucci says that by serving local, they hope to show customers what Michigan agriculture has to offer. All the stuff you're eating, it was grown here, and you can get this too in your house. And so the, the more that we kind of start seeing what's available, incorporating into our daily lives, I mean, we can really kind of turn around, you know, the way that the agriculture system works in the state little by little. Michael Hamm is a CS Mott Professor of Sustainable Agriculture and Director of the Center for Regional Food Systems at Michigan State University. He said it's important to start thinking of local food systems because of climate change. We can predict that in 20 or 30 years, those places where we get that food from right now, we probably won't be able to source as much food. So there's a part of the, the farm-to-table movement which is helping to provide the basis for a um, a broader um, array of places where we get food so that we, in essence, hedge our bets against what the changes that are probably coming down the road in the future. People are already enjoying what the future may taste like at Red Haven's packed dinner service. I sat down with my party and scanned the menu filled with tapas-style dishes. Um, my personal favorite is the mash. It's like the, the I ordered the recommended mash. 
When it comes, I drag my fork through a layer of crispy breading. A sweet potato chorizo mixture oozes out. I continue with my meal of local veggies and meats. At the end, I sign my receipt, and under my signature, printed in brackets, are the words, Local First, a final reminder of how delicious Michigan is. For Great Lakes Echo, I'm Emmanuel Berry. You're listening to Impact Exposure. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Monday nights from 8 till 10, the Asian Invasion brings you the music from the rising sun. We'll bring you the latest pop, indie, rock, and electro from Korea, Japan, and China. Only on Impact 89 FM. An ordinary day, an ordinary family's living room filled with an ordinary bunch of kids. And they were doing nothing. When suddenly... That's a personal foul. Inactive activity on a sunny day. Coming to the rescue was NFL running back Reggie Bush. Let's play. And play they did. There was running and jumping and laziness was crushed. Hey kids, don't get a lazy penalty. Go online to smallstep.gov for fun playtime ideas. So you can be a player too. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Attention shoppers, if anyone is missing a rather plump set of love handles, please come to the customer service counter and claim them. The ample love handles were lost in the produce department where their former owner had purchased fruits and veggies to munch on during the big game. Thank you and have a good day. Small step number 81, snack on fruits and veggies. It's just one of the many small steps you can take to get healthy. Learn more at www.smallstep.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Now back to Impact Exposure. Thanksgiving is just days away, and while many of us are will enjoy the American tradition, international students have a chance to experience Thanksgiving in America and reflect upon similar holidays in their home countries. Most societies around the world celebrate gratitude and the closing of the harvest in some way. Here's an interview about holidays around the world for thanks. Uh, so here with me today, I have two international students. Uh, why don't you guys go ahead and introduce yourselves? My name is Silu Guo, and I'm from China. My name is Jamal, and I'm from Pakistan. And so today we're talking about kind of the concept of how Thanksgiving is not just a holiday, American holiday, but there are holidays all around the world that kind of celebrate um, the same kind of concepts of uh, of harvest, of, of food, of gratitude. Uh, so, Lucy, I know you said there's actually a couple holidays in China which mm-hmm. resemble um, Thanksgiving. Uh, why don't you tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about each? Um, we we don't actually have a Thanksgiving um, based on the American history. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> but um, we do have some festivals that um, um, let people know um, the importance of gratitude. Um, for example, one of them is called Qingming Festival. It's, it's to uh, memorize a famous part called Yuan. And um, during that festival, people cook um, a special kind of that dessert. Like they put those kind of dessert into the river next to their home, and cause that point died, um, he dived, he he jumped into the river. He, he, okay, he and died. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys put you you give these desserts to 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 feel to feed those fish in the river, so they will not eat the eat his body. Okay. But that happens a long time ago, but people still continue this kind of tradition. And so what is this dessert that you're putting in the river? What's the significance of it? It's sweet. It's made of rice, and people always um, have some uh, sugar or some kind of dry fruit inside the dessert. It's pretty good. But with time flows, um, we decide some different kind of... It's called zhongzi in Chinese. And we have... um, now people put meat inside, so it's diverse now. You can buy it anywhere in China now. It's different. And uh, Freddie, why don't you tell us about your holiday, uh, Pakistani holiday? Yeah, as an international student, I found this Thanksgiving very close to one of our events that we call as Eid al-Adha. So we have two major events in our country. One is Eid al-Fitr, and the other one is Eid al-Adha. So Eid al-Adha is mainly about the food and family gathering, just like Thanksgiving. So 
people uh, like the families they get together and then they share food they it's like a lazy day people said <laughs> watch tv and there's one more thing to it like <clears throat> when people cook food during that event they divide it into three parts they keep one part from themselves the other part for their relatives and then the third part you have to share it with the poor families in your community so you also kind of involve and take care of those families so but the concept looks very much the same and it starts actually with a prayer and then people after that people starts wishing each other on the phone then they plan get togethers and they go to each other's places with their food share food have dinners and it's a good time for the family to get together so yeah the concept looks very much similar to me uh and, and so on this holiday you know american thanksgiving we have very like kind of set traditional things that we always eat in like with, with lucy's holiday that she was talking about is there anything in particular that is always made food wise for this holiday yeah we we have like kebabs that and or kebabs that are actually more spicier than one than what we eat here and we have we like put them in the rice and we have kofta we call it it's like the meatballs so the dishes are mainly based on meat because at the start of the day you sacrifice an animal like goat or cow during mm-hmm. the and the meat actually the uh, the meat you get then it's actually divided into three parts i mentioned so the foods are mis- basically based on the meat yeah so it make like meatballs kebabs and these dishes cool and lucy so there's another chinese holiday um, um that also kind of resembles yeah there's another chinese col- holiday called moon festival like um we call it we celebrate it during the mid autumn day where it's kind of our a period where farmers harvest a lot during that period and we it's a holiday that <coughs> make the whole family get together even if they're from different part of china or the world it's a day to like meet your family members and stay together and say some say some good words to the old people and being respectful and share food like we always um sit under at night and we look at the moon together there's a poem 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 yeah there's, there's a, poem. a poem in china that um talking about if you see the moon and all the people in the world will seeing the same moon so you're we are watching the same moon so you're missing each other through the moon the moon can pass your miss to your family members okay that's a really kind of it's <laughs> an interesting concept so here's one more interesting thing that i've observed which is very much similar to thanksgiving like right before thanksgiving you have the black friday so people go out shopping and it creates that shopping environment and mm-hmm. right before the thanksgiving similarly in and over eat like it there is this environment of shopping you have to buy something something new that you can wear that you can have the next day so it creates that same shopping environment outside so it's kind of very much that, that is that's very strange because i was yeah. going to i was going to talk and ask like um you know our at least thanksgiving it gets kind of it it gets it's like the lead into christmas kind of here and it gets really tied into sales and material like things and as you know say that happened with your house is it all but no that's yeah. that's really kind of strange and cool uh so do you have um a particular memory uh, of one of these holidays of one year of of something that happened with your family or anything like that okay so there is one more thing that I'll add to it okay. during the eat the elder people they give some money to the yeah, to the younger ones right do. so one day like during these holidays i didn't get any money at all like oh so i was like what's wrong like maybe, maybe you're old. no so and right before i went to bed i suddenly got a a big note like 100 rupees at that time was just too much for me right so yeah that was a strange day because the whole day went really bad and then suddenly i got that you got uh, it made up for it at yeah. the end for you <laughs> But there's one more interesting thing because Lucy you it's interesting to know that though you belong to a different culture different country but we have so much in common that I just realized yeah. because uh, the thing you mentioned that you people go to the people who passed away I mean just in the memory of those people mm-hmm. we also during the Eid 
there is a time in the morning that we go to the graveyard uh, in the memory of those people and stand there for a while. So yeah. these similarities, it's amazing to know about these things. Yeah, no. in, in my culture, old people also give money to... Oh, so see yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what like what are you guys' impressions of American Thanksgiving or, or American holidays in, in general compared to holidays um, in your countries? Mm, I think American holidays are not that complicated. Like you don't have certain time you have to do something. It's just a family getting together. Maybe if you want, you can eat certain kind of food to celebrate it. But if a mother is too lazy to cook turkey, they don't have to, right? <laughs> Very true. And what about you, Jamal? Yeah, that's. I agree. Like it's not that complicated, but somehow. It looks similar to me, like all these holidays. We just have kind of different versions of those same holidays in our country. Yeah, why? Why do you guys think it is that there's this that there's this commonality or this common thread of you know gathering around food and 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 taking meal with family as a way to celebrate around the world? Mm, I think it's just an excuse people use to put all the family member together. Like uh, by sharing food, you can also talk with each other and get to know what you guys do during this period and make the family member more close to each other. And people really enjoy that kind of thing. Like we are now here, international students, we don't have family, but that's what makes me miss my country more, like even especially during holidays. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you really feel it during these holidays like the thanksgiving yeah. holidays where it's more about the family and food mm -hmm. these are the times when you start missing your family because we have the equivalent to that in our country too so we mm -hmm. start remembering what our times well i'd like to thank you both for coming on and talking today very insightful and very very interesting so thank, thank you. you both Broadcasting from the campus of Michigan State University, you've been listening to Impact Exposure. Exposure.